Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Are we good to roll? Perfect. Well, in the midst of Red Black's training camp, head coach uh, Rick Campbell is uh, giving the guys a little bit of a break this morning. and giving us the opportunity to take the time to chat about life and about football. I want to talk about athlete development and relationships between coaches and athlete management, the business of sport, and pretty much everything in between. I might not ask at all about a starting lineup or the upcoming cuts of the players. I'm not sure how deep we're actually going to go with that, but I really am looking forward to kind of delving in a little bit more into what life is really like um, and life with a professional background and professional sports. So that brings us to episode 19 of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And of course, for more information, you can always head to extensionmarketing.com. Rick, it's great to have you here. It's good to be yeah. here. You're like, I'm not sure. I haven't done this long of a format before. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It actually is exciting to talk something about other than starting lineups and mm-hmm. all that, because that's obviously what I'm normally doing in media things. But uh, no, this will be interesting. I don't know exactly where this is going to go, but uh, I'm excited. I am too. And I think, you know, for so long, because I mean, I covered sports for 10 years. I was so used to the 10 second soundbite. Got to mm-hmm. give 110%, you know, got to give a full team mm-hmm. effort. It's really about the team, you know, like you've got to kind of get a little bit tired of repeating very similar answers every single day. Yeah. And a lot of it's about saying something, but saying nothing. So, mm-hmm. we'd say, so when you're talking about those sound bites or those quick things yeah. is, uh, cause you know, you know what they're using, right? You know exactly the sentence they're going to yeah, take and cut. Yeah. And then also these days you have to be so careful about everything that you say, because especially when you're talking about sound bites, they mm-hmm. can be twisted into different directions depending on what people want them. So that's why I think a lot of people, they're not so shy about sharing information. I just don't think they want it misused or misinterpreted. In and that's probably something shift. that's changed a lot for you over the course of your career is how vo- like verbal and vocal you can be knowing that social media, knowing that things are lasting a lot longer yeah. than I think they used to if you just had a, a small recorder Ex- <laughs> kind of placed in exactly. front of you. Exactly. It, uh, it lasts forever. So, yeah, we talked to... Um, everybody our coaches players everybody about you know twitter and instagram and all that stuff is great and we want to use it because we want to promote the red blacks and Mm -hmm. all that but just to treat it no differently than you're saying something to a reporter or whatever it is because well we know the numerous examples of people around north america that have uh I've made mistakes doing that okay have you ever watched that you know watch sports center or watch sports desk and kind of just felt for that person, felt for that coach in that yeah. in that scrum or on the podium, and kind of gone, oh god. Yeah, what yeah. I mean, thinking? yeah. You well, one, yeah. Some of them, you say, what are these people thinking, saying this? And then sometimes you know that something might have been said in mm-hmm. a moment or something that they didn't mean it. And then, from my point of view, from a head coach, and why I try to with the players and everybody is, we have so much on our plate on trying to win games and focus on game plans and doing things that we don't 
it's hard to get too much side drama going on or side, you know, things that are distractions. So part of my job of being the head coach is trying to keep people on task, just like anything in life, right? If you're trying to accomplish a goal. You're a manager, right? Yeah. You look at it like a corporation. Yeah. If there's too many things going on that are not about Mm. accomplishing the goal, then, um, you know, that's sometimes not a good thing. No. Okay. We've... We've hit on the fact that your life is right now. It is all football. But I want to kind of like rewind quite a bit. If I were to ask you right now, if you weren't involved in the sport of football, what would you be doing? If, if you exactly. had been born into a very different family or environment, what do you think you would be doing? So my best buddy and I have had many conversations over a beer over this one because we didn't really come up with a good answer. And we made it so it couldn't be like involved in sports in any way, you know. You can't say, well, I'd rather be a basketball coach or something like that. So I don't have a really good answer other than I think I would be a school teacher. If you count that as not coaching, coaching's kind of like teaching, but I actually taught high school for two years. So when I was first out of college, I went into, to teaching and I taught, uh, taught high school in, uh, in uh, Spokane, Washington. So I've had, were you born, were you born in Spokane? I was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're born because you're an American, well, born in America, but although you actually... I'm Canadian yeah, now, too. You spent so enough time 2000, in this. Uh, yeah. 2012, I became uh, Canadian on Canada Day. So I'm coming up to my anniversary here of, what would that be? Yeah. Six years? What, like, what was it that made you want to make it official? Well, Canada's obviously been a big role in my life and my family's life and... Um, um, and also, I always I was a guy that became a permanent resident, mm-hmm. and so I would always have to renew it every five years. And um, it got to the point of like, what am I doing? <laughs> you just here? didn't want to do the paperwork <laughs> anymore. No, but I was good. It was um, no proud to be proud to be a citizen of North America mm-hmm. now. So, but uh, um, no, it was a big day, big day of. Um, I actually remember when I got became a citizen. I was, uh, it was on July 1st, mm-hmm. so that was pretty special, and it was in Calgary. I was coaching with the Stampeders. And the cool thing I remember is I was in a ceremony with, I don't know, probably 200 other people, and just the life-changing moment it was for all those people. I think I was the only American there. You know, you're talking about people from all mm-hmm. over the world, and when you talk about being grateful and thankful for <clears throat> all the things we have in life and, you know, those people getting their Canadian citizenship, I mean... Lots of tears and lots of, which you know, was pretty awesome. You you were able to understand a little bit more how profound the impact was. Like yeah. I mean, you you'd had this type of a life. I mean, you'd had this North yeah. American right, uh, so. viewpoint of things. But when you're when you're seeing families coming from a very different background, from war zones, uh, oh, from yeah. poverty, like this really was like. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was going to be a big deal to me because it it was because I lived in Canada and all that, but obviously it wasn't changing my lifestyle mm-hmm. or what I was used to. So it wasn't, you know, completely turning my life around. But obviously, a lot of those people, it was. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, you took it in. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm proud, proud Canadian. Okay, born in the states. Yeah. Uh, were you an active kid? Like, were you immediately throwing a football? Very were active. Okay. I've always played a bunch of sports, and um, I came come from a sports family. But my parents um, did not force me into that at all. My parents were very good. I would say, if you ask my parents what they would hope for their kids, is they just want them to be happy and content with whatever they're doing in life. So 
I never was like pushed into things, but um, how many siblings? Like you talked about, there were a couple. How many siblings? I have three sisters, two two older and one younger. Were they encouraged to be active? Um, yeah, I'd say we yeah. were. Yeah, we would naturally we would mm-hmm. we were active and just that we were outside and whether it's running around in the park or definitely an outdoors family. Mm-hmm. We weren't. Uh, I didn't grow up on uh, video games and doing that. We definitely were. So from that standpoint, we were just naturally active, and then. Um, from the the sports part, I was my parents never forced me into like you have to play this sport or you have to do certain things, and I just kind of always liked it and always did it. So football, football, baseball, basketball, and track. Okay, were yeah. you fast? Mm. Like when no, when you went on like track, I, like were you was it a middle distance, long I, distance? Or sixteen hundred so mile, sixteen hundred okay. meter mile that stuff. No, I wouldn't. Hundreds not my thing. But you would go out and just, you like the middle distance. Yeah. Okay. There's a middle distance. And even now I like to run, They'd like jog. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm not, I wouldn't want to go do the Ottawa Marathon, like the half marathon. But would you, I mean, gosh, you're like right next to the canal. Like, would you go for a 5K run? Like, oh, what, yeah. Like, okay, no, that's what so I'm saying. I'd rather yeah. go for a, you know, half hour, 40 minutes, maybe 50 but I'm not going to get into the 50 thing. 50, you're getting into almost half I, marathon. Like, well, that's, that's what I'm yeah, saying. So that's, yeah. that's where I would max out. I wouldn't want to get beyond... Um, Beyond half marathon, my legs just start hurting and my joints start hurting. And I'm like, <laughs> what am I doing? It's just not worth it. Yeah. I feel the same way. Okay, so it was baseball, basketball, track. And I, yeah, and I did play hockey, which is interesting. I actually was pretty well, okay, good at yeah. hockey. How do we, how were you moved, introduced to that? Because the, you, weren't in, I lived, you weren't in Canadian country at that point. I was. Right? Oh, you were. Okay. So I was living in Edmonton All right, you're already when moved. I was in, this is younger, like elementary school. And I actually was doing pretty well at hockey and I actually moved to Los Angeles and this was this was just pre Wayne Gretzky getting traded there and there was probably like two ice rinks in a city of 14 million mm-hmm. people or something <laughs> so you know I remember going to like practice at 3:30 in the morning because that was the only ice time they had and stuff and then end up ended up not playing hockey just because it was so difficult and I would have had to been on like a travel squad which was very expensive and you had to like fly around to play people because there yeah, just wasn't enough nothing. people doing it had you known though you would have been immediately back into canada you know that you maybe would have stuck with it a little bit longer knowing it had been yeah, a little I bit liked of a shorter hockey. stint i liked hockey a lot and i was pretty good at it in fact it might have been the sport i might have been the best at so wow and i actually got really good when i went to california because <laughs> <laughs> like the guy that played in Canada with all the California kids, all of a sudden they looked pretty good. Yeah, I guess so, right? Yeah. yeah. The, Look at the hot shot little, coming in. That's right. I probably should mention, because we're going to kind of go through that, you've lived in a number of different places. Yes. You were born into um, a family, and your dad, Hugh, uh, is pretty much a legendary coach as well. There, there's a, a, a long CFL history, and I'm, I'll get into kind of what it's like when you've got a parental figure that has had such an impact on a sport, but it wasn't like he immediately had you want or even wanting you to be involved in the game of football. In fact, I would say they would, my parents would have gave, given me a lot of warnings and on if I really want to do it. And I actually got to experience things firsthand because, I mean, sports, you see the fun part of it, but there's a lot of other parts where you're moving city to city or you're fired or in fact that's kind of a running joke if you play football or coach football long enough you're going to get cut or fired even if it's not your fault like you just get caught up in whatever's happening so I saw like I saw my dad get fired you know which caused our whole family to move which you know there's Mm -hmm. it 
there's a lot of stuff that goes goes on with that. When you're a kid, and, and sometimes you talk to military kids, right, and it was always up and moving and getting to the next city and finding new friends. Like, was it, what was it like socially having to kind of pick up and move and reestablish uh, and be that kid that was sometimes on the move and sometimes not expecting to be on the move. I think I, I think I have some attachment disorders. <laughs> so I we're actually, now starting a therapy yeah, session now, with Rick. Now yeah. we enter the therapy part of the whole thing. Is no, actually, I think I built up defense mechanisms to not get too attached to places because you end up moving on to the next place. So it's hard, especially the older you get, if mm-hmm. you're. You know, you start getting friends, particularly in junior high or high school, and then you gotta, you know, move. It's that's it's kind of hard. And then just being in that, and then I've kind of continued it with this life I've chosen, mm-hmm. which I've been in Ottawa now. This is year number five, which has been great for me. This is almost your longest. Is this your longest run? It's my longest run in the same, doing the same yeah. exact job. So before I got to Ottawa, which was kind of by design to try to get to a head coaching position mm-hmm. as I moved um, five times in seven years. I was going to so. kind of say you were almost like hot potato when I was looking at kind of the rundown. It was like a hot potato, Calgary, Edmonton, oh. Cal- like there was there was all, a lot of hot potato. All self-inflicted except for one. I was in Winnipeg for a year oh. and got fired. Yes. But all the other ones was me moving, trying to... Move your way up. Yeah. I think when I was looking to, and don't think I'm not going back to this therapy session, by the way. Okay. But... Um, one thing I did notice in looking at your resume is I think you've held almost every coaching position, special teams, defensive coordinator, assistant head coach, uh-huh. other than offensive coordinator. Yeah. Am I correct? That's yes. the one, I think that's the one job that's wow, not you did, on. You did your homework. No, I actually did. Part of me taking mm-hmm. all these jobs was <clears throat> I wanted to coach on all sides of the ball, which in football is offense, defense, and special mm-hmm. teams. And I've been a position coach and a coordinator of defense and both special teams and then I wanted to work on offense for a year which I did in Calgary and um, got to work with some really good coaches because when I became a head coach I wanted to have a good grasp on everything and also know what I'm asking other people to do and have walked in their shoes before and know know what it's like on on each side when you're asking yeah. but it, it, you've also paid your dues right i yeah. think there's more respect when someone realizes that you've been there and done it and, and realize what you're asking i do want to go back because we'll come back to, to this but as a kid i'm i'm looking at this going you're limiting yourself to being fully exposed or to giving yourself to friendships and to relationships mm-hmm. because you're constantly going okay don't get too close i'm going to be moving like that's yeah. a that's a that's a tough kind of mindset to go with it is a tough mindset did you realize you were doing it at the time or is it now as an adult you kind of realize you had almost like you built a wall a protective wall to not get too close to things i think i realized it more the older i got Mm -hmm. so i've always wanted to be a part of the community though it wasn't like i would um like in my adult life like if i went to a team it wasn't like i just kind of shut myself off from the city like Mm -hmm. i like being in the neighborhood where i live and being a part of it, but I would say that I didn't get overly too close to people intimately, I guess is the way to say it. But I wasn't afraid to like learn about a city and right. experience it and all that. It wasn't like I just but those are two, those are very, very different I know. sides of a person, I, right? I, I know that now. You know that now, but you you learn, right? And yeah. do you would you change would you change that? Would you say to your younger self it's okay to open up? Or do you think it yeah, would or like this is even with Ottawa being like I came to Ottawa when I say blind I knew 
nothing about Ottawa and I knew nobody here. And I think I remember you I, you came to the city and I think I interviewed yeah. you. So like, for some reason, that. I don't know what it was, but I was the defensive coordinator in Calgary and they had talked about Ottawa getting a football team. Mm-hmm. And I've always, I always just had some interest in it and I don't know why. I'd, I'd been to Ottawa just for road games when the Renegades were here, when we would play mm-hmm. the Renegades, but that's like being in town for the night and you gone. You don't come see the city. And so they actually called me after the season and I had um, three head coaching opportunities to interview in Montreal, uh, not, not Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg, and Ottawa. And so I, um, Ottawa was the only one. The other two, I just, what, I don't, not that I don't respect those teams, but Ottawa was just kind of the one I wanted to do because it was starting from new, all those things. And so, anyways, I know this is a long way going around. Go no, ahead. you're just trying to get away from that. <laughs> I'm getting back to the, again, the ironic thing or the stuff I'm learning is I've come to a place where I knew nobody, like I knew nothing. And now I've come to a place where I have many friends here. Mm -hmm. I'm actually obviously very attached to this community and the team and the whole thing. So I've actually, if anything, this is where I totally invested in my personal life and, and public life. The thing is, is that when you start something from the ground up, I mean, you start from scratch, you almost, you feel like it's your baby. You, yeah. you don't have any children. Um, <laughs> That's right. But, but this The almost, red blacks are my baby. But, but they are, right? Because you yeah. nurtured, you were part of the nurturing from yeah. birth. Yeah. If, it, if, it, if we but, can make the correlation. That's what it was interested me about the mm-hmm. whole thing about coming to Ottawa was building something and trying to do it right and having it be part of the community and that whole thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Would you say you're in the, they're in the toddler stages still, or, or do you find that this team is more in the teenage <laughs> Yeah, I think we have a way. I think everyone yeah. would say around there we have a ways to go just on all fronts. Mm-hmm. But obviously I think we, the biggest thing we try to do is hire good people. Obviously mm-hmm. they have to be talented enough to win, but also hiring good people that want to be a part of this community. And so... You've got um, a lot of kids that are interested, you know, like this This team has brought back um, a flair and excitement about football. Um, and I want to ask from a coach's perspective, and you've played this game also, what is it, what athletic like features are you looking for or talents when you're looking at a player? And I want it from a coach's perspective and then also from your own, like, because there's going to be parents listening or who have kids that are interested in playing mm-hmm. the game. What development do you want to see before you're seeing these players as men? What do you want to know that they have been able to build as a foundation for being an athlete? Well, I think the biggest thing sports will teach you is, you know, overcoming, overcoming challenges, overcoming obstacles, developing resiliency, which is just a life skill that we all need. So I think that's the that's the biggest thing, and I think that's goes from when you're little all the way up to that's the biggest thing. I think that professional athletes that are really good, one is they are talented. Obviously, you have to mm-hmm. have it when you're at that level. But some guys just have a like when the going gets tough, they almost they embrace it. They you know they're going to lean into it. They're that's not going to. They, that's when they thrive. Yeah, they're not going to. They're not going to back away. You know. With, when something needs to get done, that's when they want to challenge themselves to see how how good they can be, and that's that. Though that's the difference between guys that are you know really good and guys that are just okay. It's more character. I'm learning. If if that's yeah. your answer, then a fundamental breakdown that 
they've been playing this game for a long time. Do you like seeing an athlete that's multi-talented at, at maybe had played different sports? Like we're getting to an age right now where kids are playing and singled yeah. out in one sport yeah. very young. And we're realizing some professional athletes who do one sport can't even throw a ball or, yeah. you know, jump. Like we're not developing all yeah. around. Most, I mean, I'm just listen, listening to other parents mm-hmm. and people they have, most of the professional athletes, they, they're not prodigies. They weren't like put into a sport and then, okay, let's just try to get... I just hear some stories about like little kids playing hockey and stuff and they're playing like all year round and they're going to go to every possible camp and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I think if you, if you listed the top athletes in the world and asked them about that, most of them didn't come from that background. I would say they came from doing multiple things and... Um, yeah, I would think I mean, also a sport like football, just based on the nature of the type of game that it is, uh, you're 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 starting to do this a little bit later, right? L- right, like to be full on like high school. Like I mean, then there's the types programs and all these these things, yeah. but to get it an understanding, like there's there's a science, there's a there's a science behind the game, right, as to how it actually gets played out on the field. Oh yeah, to understand that. In side. fact, footballs. Um, reason a lot of people like it is it's it's so complex and there's so many more moving parts Mm because there's more people so you know we have we have we dress 44 guys for a game whereas a basketball team's going to dress whatever 10 and a hockey team dresses whatever they dress like 25 and the other thing that's i think that's good about football is the diverse group of people not only just race and that but body type what you're being asked to do like if you look at a hockey team or a basketball mm-hmm. team they're kind of similar people that i know they have a little bit of a skill set but right. football you're talking about a 330 pound guy playing with a 165 pound guy who's playing with a soccer player who became a kicker who's playing with a quarterback who throws like you know it's, yeah. it's so specialized and so you have all these basically random group of people that you're trying to function together <laughs> and so, and personalities and personality and backgrounds like yes. especially the cfl i mean we have french canadian kids playing with guys from alabama playing with guys from california you know all over the place yes can we talk about the socioeconomic aspect of when you're looking at a team of you know 40 to you know, anywhere from 45 to 60 mm-hmm. we've got a lot of players right now uh, in, in camp but they all come from such different backgrounds and yeah. each will have their own story as to mm-hmm. how hard or how easy their upbringing was to yeah. get into this spot. Yeah. Do you look at, like, when do you want to start understanding an athlete? Are you looking at that? Like, is I just want to understand them from to get to know them, I, just to know them as people, not, not in, as a, an evaluation. I don't get... Um, for as far as evaluating mm-hmm. if we want them or not, I don't get caught up in their upbringing. No, but well, first of all, for me, sometimes it's it's admirable. Like it oh, shows almost a different sense have, of a of a of a personality to yeah. conquer I, and to achieve yeah. when you weren't given much to start yeah. with. I've coached guys, and that guys come from backgrounds that that they're able to persevere and make it. You know, kind of makes you feel like. You know, what are my, my problems? I'm worried about that the line at Starbucks is too long. And, 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm just saying there's there, there's guys there was that no come Starbucks. From ba- there was no food, let yeah. alone a Starbucks coffee when they were yeah. growing up. No. So that's guys that have literally keep fighting their way. And there's also, which is another interesting topic in itself, is that guys with such good personalities and they're just positive people that just come from horrible, you know, not not advantageous backgrounds, but they just seem to have a, a light about them regardless of the circumstance. And they just kind of operate from a place of gratefulness and thankfulness and all that, which is a good good lesson for all of us. Is that the kind of guy you want in the room? I mean, who who is that person that you want in that locker room? I want, I want people that are going to be themselves. And that's that we, we try to not... I don't, and we don't as an organization, try to make people act a certain way. In fact, I think you'll get the most out of people when they can be themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want everybody to act the same. I want people to act the way they are as long as they're pulling in the same direction and they're um, contributing to the team. You know, that's not mm-hmm. disruptive, but that's the other fun part about it is you get guys that are all different types and people can lead in different ways. It's not always about the guy that talks the most. It's well, usually it's about actions, obviously, but let's talk about the coaching aspect because that your philosophy, and I know you'd give a lot of coaching clinics, right? That you've Mm -hmm. got coaches that are looking to become better at what they do. Mm -hmm. And you grew up underneath one of the best coaches. Mm -hmm. So what did you learn from your dad? What did you choose not to take from things that you might have seen growing up and kind of gone, you know what, if it was me, I would have done it a little different. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They are a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. I think in the big picture, the mm-hmm. biggest thing is that it's about people and about how you treat them and trying to highlight their strengths and limit their weaknesses. A lot of coaches get caught up in the X's and the O's, meaning the scheme part of it, which is important. But a lot of people can do that. That's, I mean, it's not easy, but it's you, you can figure the X's and O's out. But I think it's about getting a group of people, a large group of people that have different needs and, um, you know, are thinking about different things and all that is trying to get them in line for a common goal. And I think that's really what it's about at the end of the day. And sometimes sometimes you can get so close to it and so that you can't see the big picture. And I, so I always try to remember to try to see the big picture and always try to remember what, what we're doing, why we're doing it. Okay. <clears throat> so let's take the age group of um, 8 to 10-year-olds. What yeah. is that coach focusing on? That's not my expertise, but I can, um, no, but I, the biggest thing is, you know, like they're looking at you, like you've gone through these coaching, you know, like eight to 10, it's learn, learn the game 10 to 15. It's starting to have that character of that type of teammate. Like, how do you see that progression? I know I I don't mean to put you on the spot. I know I'm just trying to think because that's not my my expertise. But I know that in dealing with kids, is you want to um, 
you know, yelling, yelling is certainly not a, <laughs> yelling at people is not a good thing. It's, um, um, I think people want honesty. Like I, I joke about my neighbor next door who's an eight-year-old girl, and sometimes she'll say to me, Rick, tell me the truth. I can handle it about anything. You know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. So it's, you know, about um, trying to give them good information and being positive and um, that type of stuff. I think, and I think it's about people being themselves. I don't know. I, I, I haven't hung around the eight to 10. No, group I know. Enough, I'm but, just thinking. But like, I just mean that the the, the parent in the stands that's yelling at the ref and yelling yeah. at that. That's not, I think they're missing the, missing the point. And then, how hard is it when, as a coach, you realize this player, you talked about all of these traits that you see of those that make it. How hard is it as a coach to say to an individual, you just don't have what it takes? Um, I don't use that exact words, but I just went through this this mm-hmm. last week because we just had to we had to cut our roster down. And so that is like one of the worst days is telling someone they don't have a job. Um, that guys normally guys take it um, pretty decently and they want to know what they could have done differently and usually the answer is is you're at you're at the highest level of a profession and you know most of the guys I tell them there's you shouldn't have any regrets because most of them work really hard and did everything they could but it's some people are just a little more talented than other people or sometimes, that, comes, or sometimes that spot just isn't open yeah, yeah, you know, or you're like, in a yeah. You could be in an unfortunate circumstance, but also I think people want honesty. You know, some some people, you know, like people go on American Idol, and everybody thinks they can be American Idol. Like, mm-hmm. not everybody can sing real well, and sometimes it's good to know. Sometimes it's good to know your limitations. It's not telling someone they're <laughs> bad, but you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. there's got to be a reality check. So some guys get to this this level, and there's it's a big jump from pro to from college mm-hmm. and then and sometimes they realize it too like most most well, they, guys can sense it you can sense it like most things in in life if you're doing something whatever it is and you just realize man I'm, i may be out of my league here so usually usually it's that and then also we try to give guys good information like i tell them you know, you should keep working at this because, you know, you're just in a bad situation here. We have a really good, whatever it is, we have a couple of good running backs and you're just not in, in a good spot. But I think if you keep working out and keep at it, you know, someone might sign you. Or if there's a guy that's just, you know, you know, if, if he wants honesty and I tell him, I don't say like quit, but I would say, you know, you're going to be in tough and if you want to keep working at it, do it. But you, know, you try to you try to give him good information. But you did graduate with that degree, and maybe you should start following up <laughs> on different opportunities. Like, yeah. And how much of it becomes you and your team, you and your coaching staff? Um, have you been around a roundtable and there's been discussion or dialogue that might not necessarily, that you don't always agree? Sure. Yeah. That's how we, we try to make good decisions. And I the teams I've been on, as you make better decisions, the more voices you hear or I should say the more educated voices that have um, some good perspectives on things but I think it's always good to listen to people and that's what we want to do is we want to at the end of the day mm-hmm. our ultimate loyalties to the red blacks to the team not to a person or an individual so I always try to remember that too when we're making decisions is we're we're making decisions for the team 
because we owe it to everybody else to on the, the team. To the people that are buying those tickets to stand in, in To all in of us. Seat. Yeah, to the fans, but also to the other people. I owe it to the coaches and the players and everybody, the other players, that we're going to try to have people around here that give us the best chance to have success. Success comes not only with what's happening on the field, but uh, what they're what they're doing to better themselves, these players. And I think I've seen it with so many other sports. It's shifted in how these players look at this as a job in terms of nutrition, mm-hmm. uh, in fitness. How much have you seen your players take action themselves by understanding what they're putting in their bodies, what is needed? Uh, because as you mentioned, you've got a 160-pound guy and a 330-pound guy. Mm-hmm. Very different jobs, but both of their bodies need to react in the way to perform. Yeah. So what's kind of been neat to see over the years is, and you see kids, high school kids, even college kids, they're armed with so much more information just because of Google or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just more information online and all that, so they have so much uh, more information but it's also been a bigger part especially when you get to our level as we give them resources of a nutritionist and a strength coach and and all that to, and to make sure it's tailored to what they do to the on 160 the field. Yeah, so guy we're not going to tell well, we're not telling we're not telling John Gott and Deontay Spencer the same thing put it that way they do two different jobs mm-hmm. and they're asked to do different things how do you explain a 330 pound athletic man (laughs) how do I explain it like how like sometimes I would look you know on tv and I would see these massive men you know trying to just move or shove you know and yet they they're what you would consider would you consider them in shape would you consider them? they have to be yeah but they're not um it's not like um bodybuilders you know Mm -hmm. they're not they're not trying to be um you know just muscle bound they need to be there's not muscle there's some jiggle there's there's some jiggle room in there no there (laughs) is so there's yeah sometimes i'm like how is there jiggle and and why is there because when you're when you're being paid a lot of money to play a sport and be in shape yeah so most of them shouldn't be that way Mm -hmm. and um but when you're that big of person um yeah you're not gonna look totally cut right but though the the guys that are we don't want them too heavy, but most, if you play professional football as an offensive lineman, whether it's the NFL or the CFL, almost everybody's going to be 300 pounds or more. So how so, hard is it to move a 300-pound body off the line? I know. Think about that. I know. It is <laughs> pretty hard, isn't it? So, um, no, that's why you know guys are, are bigger and stronger just because of... You know, they're armed with more information. Mm -hmm. And guys have, like, we don't have to prod guys into eating well and stuff. I mean, a few of them you do. But it's also their job. So at this level, like at the pro level, is if they don't take care of themselves or they don't do their job well, then they're just going to get replaced. So guy, there's obviously plenty of motivation there for guys to to want to take care of themselves because their body is their, that's how they make a living. How have you done that? I mean, I know you mentioned that you can go for a, you know, a 30 to 50 minute run. Like, are you of the belief that you're better there if you're feeling and healthy and... and Me? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Have I mean, you it's seen that with other coaches? I would say it's sure. not always... Yeah. I actually, I actually been trying to do a good job. A lot of coaches, mm-hmm. um, 
burnout in professional sports because there has to be some type of, um, I don't know, perspective and balance because the competition level is so high. And so one quote I always liked was, is that you have to act like it's the most important thing in the world, but understand it's not. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. So you have to, in order to compete at this level, you have to spend a lot of time and a lot of hours and act like the Red Blacks are the most important thing in the world. And that's kind of how I approach it. But at the same time, I know that it's really not. And that, you know, we're not curing cancer. We're not on a battlefield with guns. You know, there's much bigger things going on in the world than us. But to, to compete at this mm-hmm. level, you have to act like it is. And it's, just, it's an interesting perspective to say yeah. at the moment it is. In per- the larger perspective of what's yeah. happening in the world, yeah. it's not. But you've you've taken it on to be as best armored. What, is that like? Yeah, you have to to survive in this profession. You'd have to, like I said, you have how, to have some me- some mental and emotional um, some type of balance, or you'll you know you'll literally yeah, burn how, yourself how out. How cutthroat do you feel it is? It's totally cutthroat. Because the the hard thing, like it's if you want to talk about vulnerability, yeah. this is like this profession, pro sports, is totally because, you know, I could get fired really at any time. I mean, I could. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're at the mercy of some owners and stuff, and I'm just I'm not just talking about the Red Blacks. I just mean in general, where you could go, and you know how it is with fans is. You know, you can go from being the hero to being a jerk in a matter of, of a weeks <laughs> or weeks. Yeah. So really, you got to just think about doing the best job you can. And so, what do you do? I mean, I don't see you as I don't see you meditating. <laughs> you oh no, I do. Really? I do some meditation, but just like headspace stuff. Like, okay. You know, is it before a game? Is it the night before? No, more like, like where, I try to. It? I try to do more. Of, daily stuff and mm-hmm. particularly during the season and um of can just checking through, in can you take me through okay take me through a day if you don't mind of a typical work day like take me through a typical work day and then take me through a typical game day yeah so the, the funny thing is mm-hmm. this game day is actually the easiest day from a time standpoint okay but we um there's a lot of preparation that goes into a game so generally speaking, let's just say we were in the office from six in the morning till I don't know seven or eight ish at night, and oh, I tell well, that's a long day. Yeah, so it's fourteen hours. I would say is pretty typical, and I actually tell guys if coaches if you're there more than fourteen hours, and either you're not doing your job right, or you're just looking at the internet, or you don't want to go home or something. But so okay. that, again, that goes back to the okay. life balance thing. Yeah, can I can I go this like? 6 a.m., you're home late at night. Yeah. That doesn't really make for um, this. I, I'm not picturing this, you know, white picket fences and unicorns and rainbows of, of a life or a family life outside of this. Like, That's right. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you, the pro side of sports, you see the, can see the glory part of it or winning mm-hmm. and stuff. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff that, um, in fact, when you when my parents would give me warnings, like, are you sure you want to get involved in this? So, like, people would joke about, if you want to coach pro sports, okay, so no job security, the public's going to criticize you if you make any mistakes, Um, long hours, 
um, not a balanced lifestyle, you know, dealing with people's problems. You know, like if you looked yeah. at it from that, which is actually kind of all true. And then you're thinking, okay, do I want to get involved in that? But obviously there's some huge benefits and that's why people love doing it. But that's it why takes a I, certain personality. It right? definitely it, it does. Yeah, if you if you there's it it's naturally there's going to be a roller coaster ride mm-hmm. to it because of the winning and losing or good days or bad days when you know people are doing their jobs or things are going sideways a little bit. So if you're a personality that accentuates the roller coaster, like the high, mm-hmm. and you take it higher, and then the bottom's going, and you make it worse, those are usually the guys that either lose the team. Or lose themselves just because your body can't can't deal with that. That's... Okay, so you've got these fourteen-hour days, typically at least. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So you're in the office. That's a typical normal day. Typical normal. Yeah. During our t- typical normal work week. Yeah. And actually, as we get closer to the game, yeah. especially the day before the game and the day of the game, is when. Um, the players and coaches would have the most time because we're we we do a lighter practice the mm-hmm. day before just because you're getting there's, ready to play. There's studying. I think what yeah. people don't realize is how much studying oh. is involved. Yeah, what you see on the field is actually yeah. most of the work has been done off the field. So yeah, watching watching film, um, which the football there's so much scheme stuff going mm-hmm. on. It's like a I don't know what you want to call it, but it's like chess or something where you're trying to, and if you don't, if you don't evolve and keep up with what other people are doing, then you literally get left behind. So you really have to have the energy to want to improve and evolve. And I think that's another good quality of people that survive or people that are willing to change and evolve. If there are people that just, yeah, and learn and and realize you don't know everything. But if you're a guy that thinks you know everything and just wants to keep doing things the same way all the time, then you'll... Uh, if you're stuck in your ways, you're you're stuck. You're stuck. And in, then you're out. Yeah. Have you ever watched film and then realized what a coach or someone else has done and gone, that's brilliant? Or, or oh, been yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. how'd they both. figure that out? Yeah. No, yeah. both. Uh, yeah. Both. You see things, you learn things both ways of things that people do really great and then things that don't. And then the other thing, I don't think you really appreciate... When, you, when people judge what people do in the moment, is it's hard to appreciate it unless you've lived it. Like, so like, like when a, you have to make a call yeah, quickly and, on the field. Like you, right, yeah. and the, you know, it's not like you can sit in a room and have a discussion mm-hmm. and say, well, what would you do in this situation? And, I mean, you can do that other times, and we try to do that as much as possible, but you know, if it's the Grey Cup game and it's overtime, and you know, mm-hmm. that, that's again where I want to make sure we're not riding this roller coaster that we're trying to focus on the task at hand and do whatever we can to give ourselves the best chance. Well, so there was just, an overtime and there was a great cup. That's why I'm, I'm giving an example. <laughs> yeah. of, and, and, and there are decisions that have to be made incredibly quickly. Do you yeah. look back on that, on the great cup win, uh, and think, God, those, some of those decisions were just, they worked like that was, the, that was experience, or that was just gut instinct making some calls. Yeah, and the other thing that's a good, that's fun about being a part of a good team with people you believe in, is we all will make each other look better, or we'll cover up mistakes. So coaches and players all together working together. Sometimes 
I mean, the players obviously deserve almost all the credit. They're the guys laying themselves mm -hmm. on the line. But I just mean a coach can help a player by putting them in a good position. Or a player can make a coach look good by doing something athletically or, you know, making mm -hmm. something happen and it wasn't the way it was drawn up. Or, you know, a guy makes a bad mistake in a game, but if you end up winning the game, that thing kind of just gets shoved aside, whereas if a guy makes a mistake and you lose, then it gets highlighted. Can you take me through the emotions of what what that was like to see a team turn around in a three-year span to be able to hoist a, a Grey Cup? Well, like, it's, uh, it, that's it, the... I always remember when I think of the whole thing from the beginning is yeah. when I got hired, we had no coaches, and I think we had... I don't know, four players that were like American free agents that have never played in the CFL. So like there was like no one. And so I remember walking in the office and all we had was a t-shirt, a box full of t-shirts that said red blacks on it, but we had no footballs. We had nothing. Well, we had no stadium even. No. So to go from that's, I think that was the big appeal to me of wanting to come here was trying to go from that and then when you go all the way to where you're like you're you're winning the Grey Cup, like the the two moments for me was like when I first got here, to like when we're doing a parade down the street. Those were that's where you're like that's where you catches you where you're like okay catch me you, catch me in that moment. Like what was your aha moment you, of um, of going? I cannot believe I've accomplished we accomplished this. Um, I just think the biggest thing in life is getting to be a part of something bigger than yourself. That's, you know, and that's why I said I always like community and being a part of things is I want to be a part of something bigger than me. And that's that's where I think, you know, moments like that is where you get, um, you realize, yeah, that you belong, you know, getting to belong to something and that's impactful is obviously a pretty cool feeling. Did every mistake, every kind of move and and accepting of a job or experience of being fired, does it all kind of culminate uh, when yeah. you are kind of being paraded down the street going, Yeah, I would do this all over again if yeah. it got me to this moment? Sure. And I think that's why people, um, people that are willing to live that lifestyle of, you know, where it's not, it's not certain. It's not like you go into work every day from eight to five and it's going to be pretty similar and you don't have to worry about getting you fired or things like that. But at the same time, I tell them, like, last year we started out 1-6-1. One, and one, And I said, if you're going to choose to live this life and you want the feeling of the Grey Cup, like winning that, that feeling you had after we won that game, is you're exposing yourself to, you know, there's going to be lows too. It's not, it's not just all going to be perfect all the time, but... You know, if you're going to live that vulnerable lifestyle of wanting to experience it all, the highs and lows and, you know, all the things that come with it. I said the only way you can experience it, that mm. ultimate feeling is that you're going to be exposed to hard times too. And that's where you work your way through it. Like, you're young. Would you, like, 40? I think we're similar. I'm 47 now. No, we're not. Oh, gosh. Thank you, Leah. You still got a couple of years on me. I know. <laughs> it just felt better right there. I'm getting old. <laughs> uh, do you do you see this like in a, like how 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 long do you see this going? I mean, for me, yeah. I'm my hope is I'm here as long as they'll have me. This fits right into my personality, and um, 
just the way it's built around here with the people we've surrounded ourselves with. So I'm hoping I get to be here as long as I can. I'm not looking for the greener grass or someone that'll pay me mm-hmm. a little bit more money. I'm, I, Is, I'm hoping that I get to be here for a long period of time. Can you tell when people are looking for the greener grass? Oh, yeah. There's some people that, that are, you know, whatever is most important to them in life is that someone pays them 3000 more dollars or something that they're going to go there and jump around. Would you rather them go somewhere else and then be on your, yeah, I mean, be on your grass? Yeah. I mean, we want people that it'll be, we talk about being all in here mm-hmm. and meaning physically all in that you're preparing and mentally all in and then emotionally all in that we want people that are invested in Ottawa, invested in the community and not just on the field, but off the field where you feel like you're a part of this place. And that's, that's what we, uh, that's what we promote. Have you ever been injured? Like in your athletic background? Yeah, just, uh, um, I heard Achilles and, but nothing major, not like Like to experience like excruciating, like pain where you think this will end my career. This is going to end my paychecks. No. Do you, can you get into the head of what it's like for these players That's what to do, every, like, with any play at any moment, there's a chance that they're... Yeah. So say they're, the yeah. saying about um, play this play like it's your last because mm-hmm. you never know when it's... That's true. That's not like, like a, that's not like some BS statement of that's actually true. And I, I have, have the you ultimate... Have resp- Have you been there and, yeah. and had to experience watching an individual have to walk away or sure. knowing that at that moment yeah and their life their yeah. career as they yeah, knew either it yeah either a, a specific injury um or guys just get old which is hard to see too is that you know guys that are just really good athletes and really good players and you know when time catches up to you and the young guns come out and your mind wants to do it but your body can't and um, I have the ultimate respect for guys playing sports and especially football players that you're playing at this level is because you are definitely risking, um, you know, when guys are that big and that strong is you're risking, you know, broken bones or things like that. What about uh, concussions? How has that changed? And, and I'm assuming over the course of your of your coaching career already, mm-hmm. uh, the acknowledgement of what's happening with concussions or yeah. Hits. So that you're not seeing it all, but you have to take science or oh yeah. So we're very. It's taken very seriously, and guys have to go through a whole protocol before they can come back, and and they're they're very careful with it, and it is something that is taken very seriously. Um, but I think football has been singled out compared to other sports, mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not downplaying it. I'm just saying. You know, like we're not a sport where you try to punch someone in the head, like in hockey. I'm not trying to knock hockey, but you know what I'm yeah. saying. But like, what would people think of football if if you actually could just go punch someone in the head? You know, so th- it's it's taken very seriously, and we're trying to implement rules all the time to make the game yeah. safer. I mean, you've already there's been changes. I mean, the way you practice. Yeah, we know. The way practice you practice is very and, different yeah. so than what it was 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, so I think there was a mentality of even 30 years ago of like, you know, oh, we got my bell rung, but I'm going to yeah. keep playing. That's that's And that's been gone for a while. But yeah, that whole mentality is completely gone. And there's even rules on tackling now of not leading with your head. And 
Um, so it's something taken very seriously as far as the concussion thing. Mm-hmm. But I think people should get all the information before you just say, well, I'm staying away from football because it's too high a risk. But I don't know if you look like even soccer and the concussions oh, in gosh, soccer. Yeah, like I'm you, just saying, but it's yeah. never discussed. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking other sports. I'm just saying... Right now, football has been, and mainly because of the NFL with a huge lawsuit. Listen, there's some devastating stories that have come out, you know, of that. Yeah, it's bad. I'm not downplaying it. I'm just saying. I think people are just becoming more educated and understanding. And I think that's where you kind of sometimes say people put their lives on the line for this experience, right? They do. To live this life of a professional athlete or these careers. And it, it costs sometimes. Yeah, that's people, even people that, not in pro sports, but even guys, people that want to go hike a mountain or go downhill skiing or whatever you want to do, you're putting yourself at risk. But sometimes those are the moments where you live life the most. Like, are you an adrenaline seeker? Like, I like stuff like that. I wouldn't say I'm an adrenaline junkie, but I'm up for bungee jumping or... Like, you'll do all of that. What's the craziest thing that you've done? Um, that's a good question. Like looking, you, looking back, mm-hmm. I went, I went down this run at Lake Louise. I like skiing, mm-hmm. but it was like, it was ridiculously steep. Like and you're, you're going down, going, well, but you're just kind of hopping down the side of the mountain. And I'm just <laughs> thinking like, you're literally, when you're stopped, you're like your shoulders against the, you know, like, oh my God. And okay. looking back, I was like, that probably wasn't too, I mean, I just did it with a couple other people, but I'm just thinking like, if you fall in that yeah. moment, you're going to be going a long way but i i'm definitely willing to do things and like to do things but i would i'll okay, calculate if, i'll calculate in making sure that the odds are in my favor that nothing if, awful if, is happening. If, you, if you have like a team bonding um activity that doesn't involve you guys being on a football field or anything like what would you what would you have what would you want these guys to do well the Actually, the, the mm-hmm. time where you have the most team growth yeah. is actually hearing other people's story of letting guys stand up and talk in the room about where they come from. Or We always, we kind of have a, well, we do have a thing. I make people, when we introduce ourselves at the beginning of the year, is you have to talk about an interesting, interesting mm-hmm. thing about yourself. And it's just kind of interesting the more guys talk to each other. But that's where I think the team building happens is spending time not talking about football and talking more about either what makes you tick, you know, whatever yeah. gets you going in life or your past and learning about that. And do you find that some of these players have really interesting passions outside? Oh, yeah. Like, I've known some. Yeah. I remember I remember Donnie Ruiz, who played with the Renegades. Yeah. But he was an artist, you know, and he oh, yeah. had these paintings. Like, as soon as they were off the field, it was... Yeah. Like, you know, and some were soldiers, you know, in the off-season. Like, there's an off-season for some of them. Like, yeah. where, have you ever been surprised by thinking yeah. a player is one way and then realizing... Yeah, well, that's what's uh, that's yeah. what's always interesting to me. And, le- and promoting people being themselves and being comfortable enough where they can be themselves. Mm-hmm. And and you've met enough football players now. And, and when people meet our players, some people are surprised that they're like, wow, these are like real guys. And... Mm-hmm. They have real emotions and real thoughts, and that they're not just big, tough football no, and players. In fact, most tough football players are 
They're the baby, like they're, not the baby, but they're like the teddy bears. Exactly. I, I, I often tell people like the ones that are the scariest looking, they're yeah. the biggest teddy bears you can imagine. Yeah. And they're parents, right? They've got they've got kids, they've got families, and it's, every time they're out, they're thinking about them. Yeah, I they think. all uh, they all have lives going on just like the rest of. So right now, else. right now they've got their lives underway. They've got a season about to start. Um, because I've 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 got to get you back onto the field in a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, do you like what? Do you are you excited? Like, are every kind of year that this comes about, you've got a yeah. fresh start, different so, set of individuals, strangers yeah. that are getting to know each other in these team bonding locker room chats. How do you how do you see things unfolding? The biggest thing I like about this year's team is we have a good um, a good vibe, a good spirit mm-hmm. about us, and a want to compete. Which I know that seems like that should be obvious, but there's um, a lot of times in pro sports, it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. And the good teams are the ones, like I had said before, are the ones that don't get nervous and they don't flinch. They're actually going to say, okay, it's time to get it, get it done. And we've shown signs of that, some good signs of that. And part of that, you can't just make that up and just say we're going to be that way. Part of it becomes from belief and kind of the personality of the guys. And so I'm very hopeful from that standpoint and that I know there's going to be some tough games this year that are going to be close. And um, all signs point to that our guys, I think they'll embrace those moments, which will be good. And how do you see yourself uh, embracing those moments, being in that position as a coach? And what are the goals that you're setting if you're doing this meditation and you take some time daily to kind of go through things, I, I, just, you, yeah. I just try to make sure I'm taking care of myself. You know, sometimes the, you know, sometimes we overlook those things in life. But mm-hmm. I think if I can sleep, sleep. Sleep <laughs> and, is a beautiful yeah, thing, Rick. And, I've and, learned that sleep is like and, unbelievable. And yeah. Usually for me, if mm-hmm. I if I eat decently and I can get myself to sleep and I exercise some, usually I'm pretty good to go and sometimes you can you shut off a knife like can you go to sleep like at night or are you singing x's and o's and graphs Um, and video like yeah no it's it's there are there are some night sweats and things that happen Mm -hmm. but usually it's dealing with um again it goes back to with people and that they're on track that way i do you do think about the scheme stuff and all that but i said usually it's a usually it comes down to about people and stuff but there's definitely some sleepless or less sleepless nights, but I'm trying to do a good job of taking it, care of myself. Would so it be can, before the game or after a loss? Um, both. Yeah, it's you never that, that's you never know what the day's going to bring. And some days you walk into the office and you're in a great mood and you're like, "Let's go!" And then it turns out to be a one of those days, and then. Other times you might be dragging in there a little bit, and then you're always surprised that people pick you up. So it it all it all depends. But um, yeah, a loss is tough. Put it that way. Yeah. The losses are tougher. I tell people too. You need to remember to enjoy winning. Because a lot of times, <laughs> no. Because a lot of times you just think, well, we're here to win. So if we win, that's what we were supposed to do. But, but savor it because, because you're going to have to deal with it. Because remember what it's like, how bad yeah. it feels when you lose. When does everything get underway? Like when? Uh, we when are, um, the players have time. a couple of days off, mm-hmm. but then we are on the field on Thursday. Okay, go on dates because this is airing in a, a week. So, so Thursday give me dates of the, uh, opening and. So we games. play Saskatchewan home on 
June 21st. If that June 21st is yeah. a Thursday, then yeah, it's that Thursday. That's so we opening actually, night? That's opening night. So we actually have a bye week the first week, so everybody else is playing this weekend. And then we, uh, we're up week two, and away we go. Are you excited? I am. No, I really am. It's going to be... Um, it's going to be interesting, which is, but I, I am excited with this group. This We've had a really good training camp and um, away we go. Okay. I feel like when I'm going to watch you on the sidelines, I'll have like a bit of a different take. Would I notice something in your facial expressions? Like, do you have like, would I be able to see what you're feeling? Um, or you, I think you, have you a can. Poker I face? think if you look at me, yeah. I think you can. People make the comment about me that I'm not overly you know, jumping up and down and screaming. Come on, you've been like jumping I... up and down this whole time in this room. Yeah. You cannot so, feel it. But like <laughs> I said, I, I find the I find the coaches, like I said, that either get way angry or way excited and all that stuff. That some of that's okay, mm-hmm. but when you're trying to accomplish a, a task, I, I don't I don't believe that helps the cause because there there's enough excitement and anger and all the other stuff to to begin with so others are doing it for you yeah that, that kind of inherently happens with the job you love it that's, that's i do I there's nothing would you say to your dad i you, nothing you could have said would have gotten me away from this no i i truly love it and i've been doing it um for quite a while now and doing it every year but there's nothing nothing better than interacting with the fans or like after a win or something and seeing not only the players excited, but you know everybody at the stadium and everything. There's uh, you can't you can't beat that feeling, and I think that's what uh, all of us that are in it are addicted to that uh, that mm-hmm. that feeling. It's funny when you say addicted, right? When you get that <laughs> that high, it really uh, it really is addicted. People can find uh, more information, season tickets, player profiles, rosters, everything. Uh, Redblacks.com. Yeah, come uh, come check out the Redblacks. Football's, you're going to um, feel already that you kind of... Football's fun. It's, yeah. and it's not just about uh, even if you're new to it. It Honestly, it's... Uh, it's Get to know fun. the game because honestly, if you if you, if you you understand, and yeah. you're really watching two games. You're watching yeah. an offensive game and you're watching a defensive game. So you're getting the best of both worlds, especially if you understand yeah. the game and we're, the downs. And it, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. We're doing a women's yeah. training camp tonight. It will, no. Which so, is, is because specifically yeah. I started doing this a few years yeah. ago because... I want to let people know that by when he says tonight, it's the day that we're actually taping this podcast. Yeah, sorry. So it's, it will have already passed, but yeah. I know like there, what, it was like hundreds of women. What are I'm saying, yeah, because because women are really good fans. Some people yeah. get you get fall in the stereotype that it's some big guys drinking beer in the stands and they There's know everything about football. And that's not only women, but everybody mm-hmm. is that it's it's fun to come to football games and um, check and do it you out. appreciate it though when a fan understands the game? Like yeah. you give them more credit if the fan. Yeah. Knows what's going on. Yeah, it's, it helps instead of just blindly yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, everyone's going to yell at me at some point. You just hope it's for a good reason, not for a... Anyway, comes with the territory. Well, I'm glad you appreciate that women know the game. Because yeah. we do. I, yeah. I, I, I've got to give you full credit. There's, some, there's women out there who know exactly what's going on. I appreciate the time. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't think I asked about starting quarterback and lineup or anything else. Are you impressed? 
I'm impressed. Yeah, I'll let I'll let the uh, the sports guys ask you those questions and the, for the 30 second soundbite that they're gonna get. Yeah, this is way better than that. See? Yeah. Yeah. Get it? I have a better understanding of your decision making too. All right. Uh, there you have it. Uh, that is episode 19 of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Rick, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Nicely done. Didn't feel too long. Or are we okay? That was good. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.